Hello and welcome to Postgres FM, a weekly show about all things PostgreSQL. I am Michael, founder of PG Mustard. This is my co-host Nikolai, founder of Postgres AI. Hey Nikolai, how are you doing today? Hello, doing great. How are you? I am doing well, thank you very much. Today, we're going to talk about buffers. And I know this is a topic you care a lot about and I've enjoyed reading your opinions on them in the past. So really excited to talk about why they're important. Maybe we could start with what they are. You know what? Let's start slightly off topic. SQL can be written in uppercase or lowercase or like maybe some, maybe there are many more options. So I prefer lowercase because I write a lot of SQL code. So it's like I write SQL code much more than other code, like any other language I use uh, over the last uh, many years. And uh, so I don't like to scream and use uppercase at all. But when I type buffers, I enjoy typing <laughs> the uppercase. <laughs> because That's I, so I, funny. Yeah, because, because it's so important to use them. So just to check, do you write explain open brackets, analyze, comma, and then, and then caps lock on, buffers, <laughs> well, and then... No, no, I, I mean, <laughs> I, still, I still use uppercase when I explain things to people and when you embed uh, small parts of SQL in your regular text, it makes sense to still use uppercase. That, that's why probably I, I, I remember that. Like buffers, I, I just... Couple of times per week, I explain how important it is to use buffers to other people. So, yeah. <laughs> and this is the only word I enjoy typing up. That's so funny. On that, I think I mix my use of lowercase and uppercase all the time. In blog posts, it's really difficult to know. Sometimes it's not clear that you're talking about a keyword or, or code, and sometimes the code formatting is not great. So, yeah, I'd, when I'm especially when it's in line, I do sometimes use capitals just to to show that I'm talking about the keyword, not just a normal word in the sentence. But I'm very inconsistent. While we're talking about consistency of how we write things, do you always write Postgres? Sometimes PostgreSQL. Do you have like a rule on which one you write? Ninety percent Postgres, just for yeah, eight eight letters instead of ten, just for the shortness. I find myself doing the same, probably similar, 90%. I tend to use PostgreSQL if like it's a super formal use. So maybe if I'm talking about a version number in a formal setting, I might say PostgreSQL, but I don't have any better rules. Than yeah, that. I will be trying to to pull us to off topics. I, you know, like it's so bad that Postgres is eight letters, not seven, because in California, you, you can have a custom driver license plate and the limit is seven letters. So imagine being in the car with a license plate post Korea without us. <laughs> well, so that would be people will funny. kill you, right? Yeah, there are people out there that would see that as a hate crime. I think. Mm -hmm. um, anyway, yes. Yeah, so but back to a shorter word, buffers. So, in case anybody's not sure what we're talking about, this is a measure of. Well, I guess it's not quite strictly this, but it's a rough measure of I.O. in the query. So in terms of number of blocks being read or written by various parts of the query, and it shows up in multiple places. I'm aware of it being in explain output. Um, so explain analyze uh, mostly, but also now explain as of recent versions. And of course, as columns in 
PGStat statements in terms of uh, telling us how much IO different queries are doing. Are there are there other places that it's showing up? Yeah, well, ex- let's let's explain explain a little yeah. bit very very briefly because it's very confusing sometimes for new people. Explain is just to, to check what planner thinks about future query execution, but it does not execute the query. Uh, it only like shows what planner thinks right now for given data statistics and parameters of Postgres. I explain analysis for execution. Buffers make sense where only in execution so explain analyze or in both it's i think like you know like since postgres 13 it also makes sense for planning stage as well right because it can use some buffers for a planner to make it work right tricky question i don't remember 100 <laughs> yeah. percent. well i guess it's always so. been possible for the planning stage to read data but I guess we've not had the ability to ask it how much it's doing before. Since Postgres 13 is possible, I guess, right? So there is a, 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 for planner stage, it also shows how much, how many buffers were uh, hit, read, or, or and so on, right? But what I also wanted to like, I, I'm, there are many confusing places in database area in the field in general and Postgres particularly. For example, there is also analyze keyword, which is another absolutely another thing. It's command to recalculate statistics. Well, it's it's not hundred percent like far from getting the plan because if you run analyze on a table, you you can fix the plan for example because you will have fresh statistics but it's it's it can be confusing because analyze after explain means very different thing than analyze a table right so it's like basics for people who start with postgres yeah absolutely so in probably today we're only going to be talking about analyzing the context of the explain parameter exactly yeah Right. Cool. So, what is there anything in particular you wanted to make sure we like? Where did you want to start with this? Maybe we should discuss what one thousand buffers hit or read means, right? Like it's, I I've, I found working over many years working with various engineers, and I like most interesting in this case are backend engineers who are the authors directly or indirectly of SQL. They either write SQL directly or they use some ORM or something that generates SQL. And, but they have, they have the biggest influence on the result. And uh, I noticed that they, most of them don't understand what, like, they don't, they maybe understand, but they don't feel like thousand buffer hits. What, what is it? Yeah. Awesome. So when we're talking about this, we're saying, Let's say I've done explain, analyze on a query that's a bit slower than I'm expecting it to be. And because I've been told I always should use buffers from some helpful people down the years, maybe they listen to a podcast and they're now using buffers, but they see under, let's say, an index scan, they see shared hit equals 500, red equals 500. So in total, we've got 500 blocks that are shared hits and 500 blocks that are shared red and this in total is a thousand blocks and these represent uh, each one of these is an eight kilobyte read the hits being from uh, postgres's buffer cache and the reads being from well maybe from disk but maybe from uh, the operating system cache we don't unfortunately we don't know which one 
By the way, it would be so great to see, like, we have for, for macro query analysis, PGSTAT statements, we have extension, additional PGSTAT cache, which can show you real disk IO. But for explain, we don't have anything. It would be so good to somehow to hack. We have, oh, I've forgotten the actual word, wording for it. Is it IO timing? So we can, we can do show IO timing. Or I've yeah. forgotten the exact keyword. Track IO timing uh, parameter in the post, but it won't show you. Like, n- number of buffers is amount of work. Somebody mentioned this uh, phrase in Twitter. Yeah. We had discussion about buffers. Yet another discussion about buffers in Explain on Twitter. And somebody mentioned uh, amount of work. This is exactly, like, this is great description of uh, this information. And timing is not amount of work. It's duration of work. Why we are interested in amount of work, we'll, we'll discuss it later, right? Because while, while it's maybe more interesting than timing. But what I, f- f- first of all, I double checked, I explain buffers without analyze. It makes sense. I have Postgres 14, but I, th- I, I believe it's since Postgres 13 when it explain got this planning stage and I see buffers hits and, and reads there. So, so 1000 buffers, is it big or not that big? How to feel it? Because uh, developers in mind, they, they may understand, okay, one buffer is eight kibibytes. By the way, your article is old school. It, it says kilobytes in old school way. Kibibytes, it's like, because it's not 1000, it's 1024, but it's another off topic. So we have block size eight kibibytes. Is it big to, to have uh, 500 hits and 500 reads for buffers at all? My arithmetic is awful at this kind of thing. That's one of the reasons why in the tool we make, we, we display that for people to try and make that easier. So we take number of blocks, multiply by eight, divide by 1,000. 1,000, of course, 1,000 1, blocks is eight mibibytes. It's not that big. Okay. It's quite small number, but it depends, of course. If you just need to read very, very small row consisting of a couple of numbers, yeah, probably it's too much to read like t- a tiny row with two columns. So it's not that big. But what I'm trying to tell that that you're absolutely right. Like converting to bytes, it encourages engineers to think about, uh, like, to imagine how how big is that this data volume. So if they hear to read this couple of rows, we needed to, to deal with even hitting, not, not reading, hitting a gigabyte. So it makes them to think, oh, it's something not optimal is happening here. I, I should find a better way to improve this query, for example, to have a better index option or, or something like that. But uh, there is a trick here. When we talk about reads, if we, for example, okay, 1000 reads of buffers is, can, can be converted to eight mibibytes, but 1000 hits can be tricky because some buffers can be hit multiple times in, in the buffer pool. Well, yeah. So I think this is contentious. I've chosen to mostly ignore this. And if we get some right. double counting, then actually in some ways, Postgres is doing duplicate work. Like, well, there is some duplicate work going on. And if we're using it as a measure of work done, I think yeah. it's okay with the double counting. 
it's I also think it's okay. So we we can have stored much less data in memory, but if we need to hit one the same buffer multiple times, we still count it the same way as it would be separate buffers. And we, we just need to understand how much work we need to do. We can imagine the cases when the buffer hits converted to bytes. You can see uh, the amount of work bigger than to be hit. Buffers to be hit, it's, it exceeds the buffer pool size maybe, right? Well, it could even exceed the amount of data you have in the database. Like It's right. totally possible. Theoretically. Well, I saw an example. I think it was from through test data. But Ryan, did you see the blog post by Ryan Lambert on H3 indexes? It was a, it was a few weeks back. And it was really interesting to me. They were a type of geospatial index. And one of his example query plans he was looking at, he was doing an aggregation on a lot of the data, I believe. And it was doing something like 39 gigabytes of buffers total. And that's that's a lot, right? But he it really shocked him because his data set he knew was smaller than that. 35 gigabytes of buffers or buffer hits? Buffers total. So, so a buffers work total because like if we if we say some number of bytes of data it feels like a storage not amount of work to be done yeah good point so like i mean it can lead to confusion much easier compared to the case when we mention hits and reads all the time buffer hits buffer reads so i think we shouldn't omit if we convert to bytes we shouldn't omit these like action words that's a good interesting point do you mean like hits and reads or do you mean the make sure we still mention that they are buffers yeah, I mean, if we say number of bytes buffers, we can provoke the confusion to 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 think about it as a number of bytes stored in memory. But if we keep mentioning hits and reads, we avoid this confusion. I think, like maybe it's just some opinion, right? Yeah, yeah. Your post also mentions other types of buffers, not only shared buffers, but also local and temp and additional confusion that can be made there because local is used for temporary tables yeah. <laughs> temp buffers we used are for some other operations and like it's it's interesting that it can be can lead to confusion but i found uh, like most of the time we just work with shared buffers uh, when we optimize a query and let's discuss why it's more interesting to focus on buffers than just on timing yes i did do a blog post on this recently i'll link it up in the show notes this is something I think I learned mostly from listening to you speak in the past. But the people people that are super experienced in Postgres performance work do often tell me that they focus a lot on buffers at the start. And it took me a while to really work out why that was. But the super important parts are that timings alone. So if we just get explain, analyze and don't ask for buffers, there are a few um, slight issues with that. Uh, one is we can ask for the same query plan a hundred times and get a hundred different durations. You might get s- some slightly slower ones, some slightly faster ones, and they're mostly around the same time, but it's different each time. That's one flaw. Especially if you're not alone on this server. Yeah. <laughs> and we uh, almost always we are not alone. Yeah, really good point. So conversely, why is it different for buffers? The number of shared hits might change and the number of shared reads might change. But in combination, unless you change something else, chances are if you run the same query 100 times, those two numbers summed together will sum to the same number each time. So that is a more consistent number than timings, even if the individual numbers there change. So 
that leads on to issue number two, which is if you're looking at timings, the first time you run a query, that data might not be cached. And as you run it, yeah, exactly. It might or it might not, but you don't necessarily know without buffers information. So timings can fluctuate quite a lot based on the cache state. Again, buffers, whilst the number of hits and reads would change, the sum of those two won't change depending on the state of the cache. And then the third one I pointed out in this blog post doesn't come up as much, but I think it's quite important that the Postgres query planner is not trying to minimize the number of buffers. What what it's trying to do is minimize the amount of time. And sometimes it will pick a plan that is inefficient in terms of buffers if it could make it faster. So the most obvious example of this, I think, maybe the only one, I'm not sure, is through parallelism. So if it can spin up multiple workers to do the work quicker and sequentially scan through the entire table, maybe it will choose to do that, even though on a pure efficiency play, you might have been able to do less work on a single worker. So yeah, I'm not sure I see many examples of that, but it does feel like a flaw of looking at timings alone. Yeah, exactly. I agree with all points. I also, like, if you think about time, of course you want to minimize that this is your final goal. But indeed, if you check the query on a clone, for example, which has different hardware, maybe even a file system and so on, and it makes you think about timing, like you, you deal with time and it doesn't match production. And you think, oh, it's not possible. We need the same level of machine and so on. But then the process becomes very expensive. But it's still possible to keep the process cheap. You just need to focus on buffers, forget about timing for a bit, optimize on, based on the amount of work. And if we focus on buffer numbers, of course, we, on, we focus on, of, on row numbers, but it's like more logical. You have rows, uh, but you don't understand how many row versions were checked and how many dead tuples were removed because it, explain doesn't show it. But buffers can, can help you understand the amount of work to be done. And this is exactly what optimization should be about because any index is a way to reduce IO, right? To, just to reduce the amount of work instead of sequential scan, for example, on large table where we, when we need to read a lot of pages. Index helps us to read a few pages and reach the target quicker. So the index is the way to reduce amount of work, and that's why timing is also reduced. It's a consequence. So when you optimize something, analyze a query, optimize it, uh, why deal? Why to deal with consequences instead of like the core of optimization, the amount of work, so buffers. I think I completely agree with you, but I do have a couple of questions. I think people really click when they see that they didn't have an index before sequential scan it read 500 megabytes of data maybe and then when they add an index it's able to look up the exact same rows in 24 kilobytes or something you know right right and instead of seeing how timing reduced and thinking oh good we see how buffers are reduced and understand why timing was also reduced like we, we see the reason of this reduction of timing exactly i think there's a risk that people think they see an index scan they think oh index is a magic that's why it's fast it's like oh no it's not magic it just lets you look it up much more efficiently and therefore faster so i'm completely with you on that But where I lose you a little bit is that there are expensive operations that don't report buffers. So, for example, a sort in memory 
or some aggregations, for example. Maybe uh, these would count as CPU intensive rather than I.O. And that maybe that's far less often the bottleneck. But we don't get any buffers reported for them if they're done in memory. So I like getting both timing and buffers and using them in combination. Yeah, it, of course, we, we still have other information in the plan. So we can understand, uh, okay, I.O. was quite low buffers, like four buffers hit and that's it. But we have 100 milliseconds. What's happening here, right? Like it's, of course, sometimes, but quite rare. Would you agree? Like most often we, the reason of slow query is a lot of I.O. happening under the hood, right? Well, even with the sort case, right? Like why is sort taking so long? It's because you're sorting a million rows. And if you could instead sort 10, the first 10 that you need, maybe you're you're paginating or something, you can get those ordered from an index. You're going to massively reduce the I.O., therefore not need to sort as many rows in the first place. So even when it's not the bottleneck, I think it's often the solution. Even if you sped up that sort of a million rows, it's still going to be a, a lot, lot slower than only fetching and sorting 10. Yeah, well, we also may think about uh, like our like efficiency in the following way. Like, we, okay, we need to return 25 rows or 10 rows. How many buffers were involved in whole query? And the buffer numbers are reported in accumulative form. So you can look at the root of the query tree and see the total number for everything included uh, underneath. So the question will be how many buffers were involved to return our 10 rows? If it's 10 buffers, it's quite good. If it's one, it's excellent. So it means that we had scan of just one buffer, one page, and all rows happen to be present in this page. So few buffers is good to return 10 rows. Thousand already not so good, right? It, we we discussed that it's just uh, eight megabytes, but to return 10 rows, probably it's not that efficient. But also two, two slightly deeper comments related to explain. It's interesting, like as I mentioned, for pgstat statements, we have pgstat cache extension, Unfortunately, not available on most uh, managed Postgres uh, services like RDS, uh, but available for all people who manage Postgres themselves. So this excellent extension, it adds you information like about CPU and real disk IO and CPU can even distinguish user and, and the system CPU time, also context switches. Excellent. But for explain, we don't have it. And simple idea, like we could still get this information if we have access to slash proc on the host. We know process ID, even if we have parallel workers, we can, we can extract their process IDs. And we could take very interesting information about real disk IO ha- happened and also CPU. You, you mentioned CPU intensive work. It could be present in explain, right? Somehow like additional extension or something, or maybe like some hacked Postgres and for non-production environments. I think it's quite interesting uh, the area to explore and improve observability of single query analysis actually, right? And it can be helpful to see that you see, like it's very CPU intensive work. IO was low. That's why query was slow. You just see how much CPU was spent or something like this. And of course, real disk IO, it's also interesting to see. And another thing, I lack the ability to understand the second best and third best plan in explain. Yeah. You see, because the planner makes the decision based on virtual cost, like something abstract, 
right? Yeah. Uh, which is, of course, it can be tuned according to parameters like uh, random patch cost, sec patch cost, and so on. But uh, you, you can tune costs. Uh, and, and planner never think about what the, the CPU is used. It doesn't, doesn't think about it. And how many gigabytes we have doesn't think about it. Well, it has, so it does factor those into the costs, right? Like it does CPU tuple cost and things like that. But I, I think I know what you mean. It doesn't factor in the server parameters. The planner doesn't know what hardware we have. Yeah, yeah, sure. And the planner, even we can, we can fool the planner and we do it for, for query optimization in non-production environments. So when we have, for example, on production, we have almost a terabyte of RAM. On, on non-production, we, we don't want to pay for it. We, we have, for example, I don't know, like 32 gigabytes of RAM mm-hmm. and the buffer pool is much smaller than on production. It's not, not a problem. The planner doesn't even look at the shared buffers uh, setting value at all. It uh, only looks at uh, effective cache size. So you can say we have terabyte of memory. So we, we said like three fourth of that usually usual approach. So you f- you trick the planner and it behaves exactly like on production It chooses the same plan. But what I'm telling like sometimes we see okay planner thinks this is the, the best option to execute the query based on cost which depends on statistics and our settings. But we see a lot of I.O. happening. Buffers option shows it. Why? What if we had, like, what else we have on the plate? Planner had on the plate. We don't see it, unfortunately. I've heard Mongo has this capability to explain this and provide the second option as well. So what do we usually do? We apply a trick. We say, okay, we had, like, bitmap scan here. Set, enable bit, uh, bitmap scan to off, and try to check what other option was. So we put a penalty to bitmap scans, so we see the second possible option. Probably second. We're not sure, but this is a trick we... Well, that's what I wanted to ask. Like how... I think it's a really difficult problem. I've not looked into it myself, but what do we mean by second best? Do we mean second best plan that's sufficiently different? What if it did a bitmap... Slightly worse cost. Yeah, so I understand what you mean, but I think we might end up with not quite what we wanted. So if we actually want to see what would this do with an, with an index scan of the same table, maybe disabling bitmap scan is the perfect way to go. But what if the second best plan Postgres could have chosen would have been a bitmap scan of a different index? Would we want to see that? Right, good point. Or like what if, if it just changed the join order a little bit or the index scan direction? Or like there, there's so many minor things yes. that it's choosing between. I agree, I agree. But my intent is to understand what were other options, several of them maybe, to understand their costs and their buffer, like their IO as well and compare. Sometimes cost can be slightly different with like on some edge case. Buffers are drastically uh, fewer, so we start thinking maybe we need to adjust our settings for for the planner for example random page cost uh, default four should go down to sequential sec patch cost which is one and and uh, this like exactly understanding the second option okay maybe you're right maybe there are many options in between so this second maybe number 10 already i don't know but this is what i lack in explain two things uh Real physical operations like CPU and IO, disk, real disk IO, and also second, third other options. 
what were their costs, right? Yeah. So it would be good to, like you, you mentioned somewhere that it's already too, too complex, too, too complicated to read, explain. It requires a lot of experience, but it still lacks many interesting points, in my opinion. I think this is a, such an interesting trade-off though, right? And this takes us on to the last topic I did want to make sure we discussed. I think there's a trade-off between being useful for people that are new to Postgres versus being useful for super experienced people. And I'm not sure exactly where we should be drawing that line or where the people in charge should be drawing that line. And we've talked for quite a while about, you know, defaults and what should be on by default. So uh, explain itself is fairly simple, but explain analyze once we have timings, the extra, let's say, penalty of also asking for buffers, maybe even for bows, but other parameters and definitely buffers based on our whole conversation today, should that be on by default? So when anybody asks for explain, analyze, they also get those buffer statistics. Even if they don't know about them, don't ask for them. You can turn them off, maybe, if you're an advanced user and you know you don't want them for some reason, but you have the ability to shape what beginners ask for so if they're reading some guide from three years ago that says use explain analyze then they'll get buffers on by default default is very important yeah do you have some stats uh, about uh, your users how, how many of them have buffers included yeah last time i checked it was 95 percent do include buffers but 95 percent. wow that's impressive well 95 percent also include for bows not the exact same 95%, but almost the... Because I guess your documentation offers it, right? Not just that we offer it. Our tool does not support the text format of Explain. So automatically, if somebody tries to get Explain, analyze, and paste it into PG Mustard, it will tell them we need at minimum format JSON. But by that point, we're also saying, please ask for Explain, analyze buffers for both from Right. So you post to use it. That's why they use it. If you check the publicly available plans on explain.depish.com, for example, or dalibo.com, yeah. I'm sure more than 50% will be without buffers, unfortunately, because this is default behavior. And I think, interesting enough, like the... There is a consensus based on what I saw in hackers mailing list. I didn't see big objections. It looks like people think that it should be on by default, but still somehow the patch, the patch needs review actually right now. There are several iterations already and uh, let's include the link also. If someone can, can do review, it would be great help for community because I think uh, we should have buffers enabled by default. I hope we convinced people, right? That buffers should be used. We said that it's important sometimes to convert numbers to bytes to have a feeling how big is that. We discussed some lacking features of Explain that probably are tricky to develop, but still like would be good to have. And also we discussed that it's possible to run Explain Analyze with buffers, of course, on a different environment than on production. And in this case, I also would like to mention that our tool, Database Lab Engine, an additional uh, chatbot, which can uh, can be executed and can be run in Slack or browser. It's called the Jobbot, it, and it also converts to bytes and it allows you to have a very good workflow of SQL optimization where you don't touch production. It's really cool. It even estimates how, like, if, let's say the timing is 
100 milliseconds, it even estimates how much faster that would be on production too, right? Yeah, well, this is this is tricky. We This option is ex- experimental. It's very tricky to develop. We still don't consider it as, as like final version, but it's not like very needed. People are fine with just seeing buffers, different timing because different yep. file system, different state of caches and so on. But buffers, so, so if we have this shift in mind, to focus on buffers when performing optimization. This is perfect place to play with queries and database lab engine also provides ability to create an index, not disturbing production and your colleagues. This is very important. And uh, to see if it hel- is helpful to reduce the amount of work, so buffer numbers, and uh, therefore to reduce timing in, in the end of the day. So so I recommend checking this on postgres.ai and of course pgmaster for understanding plans. Maybe that's it, right? So we discussed everything we wanted, right? Yeah. So final thing is if you or anybody you know, any of your friends are able to review Postgres patches, please, please, right. please do uh, check out the the one. At the moment, the way Postgres development works, um, there's a new version of Postgres due out back end of this year, Postgres 15. That's already Better uh, right now. frozen. Yes. So that's already a feature freeze. So even if we do manage to get this committed soon, it's still at, at best will come out uh, in just over a year's time. So even if it makes it into Postgres 16. So these things can take years. So don't expect fast results. But if you can, that'd be wonderful. Thank you. Current commit fest closes in July 31st. So like in, in five days. So, so. so get your skates on. Right, but there, there will be one more commit fest, uh, definitely. So a few actually for Postgres. Yeah, yeah. Of course. Okay, good. It was interesting, I guess. I hope so. Uh, I, I hope everyone likes our podcast. Uh, we need your help. Please like, subscribe, and please, please share the links in your social networks and groups where you discuss Postgres, database engineering, and so on. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Thanks so much. See you next week.